Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hi, everybody. It's Russ from My Hammers 11. I hope you're safe and well. If you're new to the channel, please consider subscribing and hitting the bell notification button so you're notified anytime we put new content on. Uh, lots of great guests coming up, lots of people you, you recognize and you've heard of, including today's guest. He's a broadcaster, journalist, but most importantly, co founder of We Are West Ham podcast, which I had the pleasure of being on last week. It's Will Pugh. Hi, Will. How are you, man? All right, Russ, I'm doing well. Thanks, mate. I'm doing well. Still trying to recover a little bit from the Tottenham game last night, but I'm uh, I'm doing all right on the whole. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I I, I mean, the, the great thing is because there's so many bloody games going on, you know, you, you haven't got time to, although we do have a week until the next one, you don't have time to sort of like digest it too much because it's it's now it's the next game's happening and now we've got to see what's happening and who's going to do us a favour and who's going to beat who. So it's, it's it, 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 it all goes on, doesn't it, in terms of football it's a rapid this sort of almost world cup type like tournament it seems at the moment it's mental it's absolutely mental it is a bit strange at the moment like you said there we've, we've got the gap to to Chelsea next whether whether or not that's going to do us a favor or not because obviously we've had two difficult games it's easy to get caught up in it and the performances and all that and I know a lot of people have been disappointed but they were two difficult games, aren't they? Wolves and Tottenham are not easy teams to play against, certainly not Wolves. No. And I think it's easy to get wrapped up in that quite quickly. I certainly did last night. I've cooled off a little bit now. But I think I'm not sure whether the gap will do us a favour, especially with Chelsea being the next one, whether you just want to get that out of the way. If that's going to be a poor result as well, then if you just want to get that out of the way and then have a bit of time to focus on the next ones. But yeah. it is what it is, I think. It um, is what it is, you're right. And and I, I mean, I wonder, I wonder if they, I wonder if Moisey will get a, um, to keep the momentum going, whether he'll do a behind closed doors one, you know, just because obviously Haller's back, potentially Og's back. He's always mentioned about getting game time for minutes for Wiltshire. The only way he can do that, he's playing the game. And so, you know, I wonder if he'll do that in the, in the, sort of the break to keep it, because everyone else is going to be keep going if they're in the FA Cup or whatever, they'll be playing as well. So um, it's weird. It's weird. You said, we've, you know, we've had all this, all this break without football. And now we've got a week, a week to wait for the next game. <laughs> it, just, it just makes no sense. 
<laughs> we always seem to play on bloody always like at home on Wednesday nights as well, which doesn't help. Yeah, it is peculiar. I think this is just one of those I feel at the moment. Get the season out of the way. Fingers crossed, we stay up and then uh, clean slate and well, hopefully a clean slate. Whatever happens, whatever happens, yeah, clean. We say that every year, though. Russ, we, we say we that do, every year. We do. But that's why we support West Ham because it is like if we was you know if we was like mid table, you know, we'd still have something to moan about. It would be like <laughs> oh, we're not pushing for Europe or you know, it's like now everyone would be like dying for a mid-table finish and we, we used to hate that finishing like exactly. 12 you know but exactly. it is what it is anyway um, so thanks for coming on obviously we're interviewing people all over the world lots of different fans for you we're obviously a big West Ham fan how did it start where did you where did your West Ham sort of fan career begin why West Ham it was a classic hereditary condition for me, to be honest. <laughs> Some people get passed down eczema or asthma or something like that. I got passed down the uh, the condition of supporting West Ham. Yeah, it was just uh, my granddad and my dad always went. I think granddad went. We worked it out the other day, actually. My granddad went to his first game in 19... So in the 40s, certainly, I believe. Uh, yeah, I think 48 or 49, something like that. Um, well, so he says, anyway, it could have been completely untrue, but it, it, it made for a nice narrative. Yeah. And then my dad, st- my dad started going in sort of the early 70s, I think, was uh, 1971 was his first game. And then, yeah, when I was born, it was just part of, as soon as I remember, uh, you know, my earliest memories of weekends would be, my dad would always, every other Saturday, he wouldn't be around and it would just be me and my mum and I'd always, oh, I want to go, I want to go. My first ever game was Everton at home. And it was two all. Duncan Ferguson scored for Everton. And all I remember from that, I don't remember any of the goals or anything like that. I just remember when West Ham scored their first one, I cried because it was so loud. All the fans are too loud. So I cried and got really upset. Uh, but by the time the second one came round, uh, West Ham's second, I loved it and I was into it because I knew what was coming. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was brilliant. And then the first game I really remember properly was Steve Potts' testimonial. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, I remember that one uh, against Queen's Park Rangers, Trevor Sinclair playing for QPR. And some point around that time, I remember going to Aston Villa at home when Mark Draper had his bleach blonde hair and they had LDV Vans as their sponsor. But uh, yeah, I think that was sort of the mid to late 90s, my first thing. And that was it, really. You know, I, I used to go as much as my dad had let me go early on. Yeah. And then I got my first season ticket with him. We finally gave in to my moaning when I was about nine, I think. I shared one with my cousin for a couple of years. And then I got my own one when I was 11, because even half the games weren't enough. And that was me ever since. We all three of us, me, my dad, my granddad and my cousin, sat in the, uh, oh. in the upper tier of the East End. And yeah, we carried on going. My granddad got his got a ticket with us in the first year at the new stadium so it's still the same and then he got a little bit too old to uh yeah. to go unfortunately but yeah me and my dad still go together now um so yeah it's just a uh i've had one year off i went traveling uh a couple of 2015 i think that was yeah. um so that's the only year i've had off of a of a season ticket and um yeah just just can't shake it no matter how much i try Exactly. No matter how much we try, we can't shake it. And you're right. It's about that, you know. And as you said, you know, you, you you went with your family and stuff like that, and you still do. And that's what comes through, you know. You, you know, football, and we know football is secondary to being a West Ham fan because we wouldn't be fans if we were, would we? To be honest, it's exactly, blatantly yeah. obvious. Uh, is about is the family and the spirit, not just obviously. You know, you're a your, you know, your blood family, but obviously the family West Ham. Obviously, you've made lots of good friends. Um, and obviously, the, the the We Are West Ham podcast. You know, you know, you, you and your mates talking about West Ham. You know, it's uh, it must be it must be fun doing that. It is. It's great fun. I think you had uh, you had Reese Bayliss on on your yeah, channel. Yeah, 
last week, I think it might have been. And Reese has been a friend of mine, just a personal friend since, you know, for 12, 13 years of mine now. I used to play football with him. We'd go to West Ham together. James Jones, you mentioned, who I do the, the We Are West Ham podcast with. He's, I think he's coming on the channel. Yeah. Uh, later on as well and yeah it's just brilliant I do it with Tom Edwards the channel as well and uh, it's just it's just good fun it kind of ties in with what I do for a living as you've mentioned already and yeah I, I think it's 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 odd because if you'd said this to me you know 10 years ago or whatever that um this is what I'd be doing and and that sort of thing it's it, it is good fun I do enjoy it now I think it's been it's been difficult this season particularly Mm. I mean, it is a lot of the time, but I, I remember times you're talking about there. We do love doing the podcast, um, but, you know, it can be difficult. And what I find about football in general now is when we play teams like Man City or Liverpool, I, I find there's too many games in modern football now, especially supporting mm. a club like West Ham, where you just write them off. Mm. And maybe it's, maybe it's my misty thinking, looking back with, you know, fond uh, claret blue tinted spectacles or whatever it was. Mm. But I seem to remember... Whenever we played Manchester United, even in their pomp, I never ever used to go into the games writing them off like I do in yeah, modern football yeah. these days. I always used to think, oh, we've got a chance here. And against Arsenal, when they were in their heyday, I always used to think, oh, we, we've got a chance of nicking a result. We often yeah. used to give them a right good game. And I find now with modern football, and that comes through when we're doing the podcast, when we're up against Man City that week or Liverpool, and we do an opposition view and we get someone in from one of the other teams, you, you find yourself almost going, I oh, feel like, well, what's the point of talking yeah. about this? Because we know we're going to get steamrolled 5-0. Yeah. So that's the thing I don't like. And I've had periods of time, I'm sure everyone has, going like the match-going fans, as I call them, fans who've had season tickets. It becomes more, going to football was just more of a habit for a lot, yeah. of, my, a lot yeah. of my life. And there would be times to get to a Friday at work and my colleagues would go, oh, what are you up to at the weekend? And I'd go, oh, I've got to go to football. And, that, and that's, how, that's how it worked because there wasn't a choice of, oh, okay, I can do something else this weekend. It was, oh, well, Sam, we're at home, so obviously I've got to go. Yeah. And you felt an obligation as much as anything else. But no, we, we love doing the podcast and, yeah. uh, and I'm lucky and we, we really appreciate you coming on last week and everyone that's who great. listens, actually. Yeah, it's brilliant. I, I, you're right. I mean, I, I've spoke to someone, I can't remember who it was in the interview, and he goes, yeah, to be honest, the last few years, West Ham's been like a chore. Um, mm. going but it's a chore he wants to start going again and doing uh, and mm. so you know I think when when everyone does get back it, I think hopefully there'll be some appreciation yeah you know this year's this season's basically been a write-off and let's be honest um and so yeah as you said get the season over start again whatever happens happens you know not being funny everyone's as long as everyone's healthy everyone's got their own you know everyone's got their job everyone's got their you know that's that's the thing that I think it's actually put a little bit of perspective in terms of football oh, for me god Absolutely. I mean, there, yeah. there are, and I am, I know it's my job and I literally get paid to talk yeah. and write about football, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but in the, I, I try and stress that as much as I can. When we do the podcast, we, we, we definitely try and do it. And, you know, even in my, my writing, I do some other uh, radio stuff as well. I work quite a lot for talk sport. And when I'm on there, then I get asked, you know, questions and you've got to take it seriously. But I, mm. I like Jurgen Klopp's quote that football is the most important of the not in, of the least important yeah. things. Yeah. And I think that's what it is. You know, football is, is nice. It's enjoyable. And we all love it. But I think you've got to, it's important to remember where it should fall in the, in the rankings of mm. things in, in life in general. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's, it's, a, it's a case, obviously, now it is because it's now the most important thing because it's the most, 
now thing. Do you know what I mean? So it's like everyone is like, if you go on Twitter, it is just like a barrage of, of depression at the moment. But it is, but and people have missed that as well. They've missed, they've missed the depression. It's funny. It's like hundred days have gone with no football. And that first game back, obviously, the technology was crap. VAR was rubbish. David Luiz, <laughs> Arsenal capitulated. West Ham, West that nothing had changed. It was almost like someone had just pressed pause on the Premier League yeah. and just restarted it. Nothing had changed. I don't know what people were assuming were going to happen. That we were going to be world beaters um, from from you know we're in that position because we're in that position this season. So uh, it is what it is, as you said. But uh, he said life carries on as long as everyone's healthy and stuff that's that's the main thing um you know whatever you know as i said players players come and go but you know the fans stay with west ham and and that's what will happen as you said you're still no matter what division you're in to be honest people still go because they want to go and meet their mates and it's a routine they want to go to the same pubs and, and stuff like that and uh, that's what comes through this podcast you know that sense of community definitely so obviously you know guys like yourselves we, we you know to be perfectly honest, like six weeks ago, no one knew me. Um, and so I was just saying, it's like, you know, it's nice to be people know who me and ask me to go and shows like yours and stuff as well. So, you know, it's, uh, and it's all part of sharing the community now. Right. Now this 11. Now, uh, I, I don't know if there's going to be many, many t- of current players in there after, after yesterday, maybe some might have, <laughs> might have changed a bit, but who knows? Um, as I said, we try and keep it to a four, four, two. Um, and the only caveat is you have to be alive to have seen them play. Um, so, you know, obviously it means that we don't have the same, everyone has Bobby Moore in their team, basically, to be honest. Otherwise, it'd be quite boring after the first 10, let alone 70-odd, 78 we've had now. So, um, in terms of your team, Will, um, who would be in goal for your team, your 11? Well, well this was a... this. This wasn't so much of a difficult one as I thought. A lot of these were, I, I did struggle with a lot of these choices, but it's Rob Green, yeah. hands down for me. I think uh, you'll see a, a theme through a lot of my team is, as, as you've said there, we, we haven't been blessed with out, uh, a myriad of outstanding players at West Ham over the years. Uh, so it, it's Rob Green first. I, the, they did closely beat uh, Ludo McCloskey, obviously, for the obvious reasons. The amount yeah. of times we've belted out songs in a way and just wonderful. Shaka Hislop, uh, just a nice bloke. Stephen Bywater bumped into him in a petrol station once and he was really nice <laughs> um yeah and and david martin that did just offer the one game i was at the chelsea game earlier this season fantastic but mm. i think rob green was just he was just outstanding i think that's what stood out as my obviously he played for played for england as well was un, was unfortunate at that mm. world cup um but i just i just admired him i the, you know the i went to loads of games in the championship uh the recent like I missed the two away games all season I think and I just remember the amount of times singing we all dream of a team of Robert Greens he really enjoyed being at the club and mixed in with all that he, he conducted himself well at all times and he was just outstanding he was a really really class goalkeeper yeah. and one of the best in England at the time so I think whilst McCloskey is obviously the cult hero for many I think it's impossible to look past Robert Green because if it wasn't yeah. for Ludo, I think he'd be that same sort of character. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. And, and, and the thing about Green, what I like about him particularly, he doesn't take himself too seriously. Do you know what I mean? And I think footballers take themselves far, I mean, you probably know more anyway, they take themselves far too seriously now. And, you know, and he was, and he still doesn't take himself seriously on Twitter, his interactions and stuff like that. And when we, you know, yeah, what about his haircut and his moustache? Exactly, his Seamus, the restless Seamus haircut and his moustache and, <laughs> Yeah, you know, when he had England number six stitched in his gloves and shit and stuff like that. That's what I love. I love I love people who just don't take themselves too seriously. He realised the, the privileged position he was in. Yeah, he might have been England number six, but 
he was still, you know, West Ham regular, adored by the fans, and and was still sung in really good high stead. So um, yeah, we'll put Greeno in Defro. Okay, okay, let's go. Let's go left back then. Well, who's gonna be your left back? They'll probably guess it. Yeah, this this one. Unfortunately, I, I I was as I was doing it. I thought you must. I would be surprised if anyone's given you giving you a different one. It is Julian Dix, yeah. and I think this a. Uh, it's a combination of, of things. I, I must admit, this one for me has got a particular, um, an, an added impetus, I think. So my first ever West Ham shirt was the Dagenham Motors uh, Centenary shirt. Yeah. And I had Dick's printed on the back of it. It was about this big. Uh, certainly don't fit into it now, but um, I've still got that knocking around in the loft somewhere, age three to four. And I had the full kit and Dick's on the back. And that's who I wanted to be. My, that was my first ever West Ham kit. I was, remember being ecstatic when my dad bought it for me. And, you know, I'd spent ages in the garden. That's just, that was my first, who I wanted to be. I wanted yeah. to be Julian Dix. When I played football, I played in a similar sort of style. I was always getting stuck in and that's what I wanted to do. I wanted, I wanted to come out of the 60-40 challenge against me with the ball because that's what Julian Dix would do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, as well, I, I think West Ham haven't particularly been blessed with left backs since Julian either. It yeah. was, uh, was going to be him, Paul Koncheski, uh, Wayne Quinn or Rufus Brevet, I think, <laughs> were my, the next three in line. So it wasn't it wasn't much of a contest there. But yeah, no. as well as his, uh, just he, I think he represents more than more than any other player. Yeah. Exactly what it is to be West Ham, just that yeah. heart and desire, and mixed in with some genuine quality. Yeah, totally. And he's and he, and the way obviously talking to a lot of the ex players and stuff as well, the way he conducted himself in terms of training and stuff, and the way he just you know he wasn't. You know, he was a professional. I wouldn't say he was a, a a model professional. You know what I mean? In terms of like a, you know, I don't know, in comparison to like Tim Breaker, who was just would train all day. You know, he'd go out. Julian would have a can of coke and a Mars bar, probably like most people would do on a Saturday on a Sunday league game, wouldn't they? And he had that sort. Of, but he was just an incredible player. But he just had that sort of every every man mentality about him. You know, you could relate to him as well. Um, but no, yeah, Julian was just a, and he, yeah, I mean, he scored the first ever goal I saw at West Ham, scored by a West Ham player. Obviously, you know, going to your first West Ham game, the other team always scores first. Um, mm. But he scored, yeah, and it was one of his thirty-five, you know, thirty-five yard, yard pings. Um, so yeah, I always remember that. But we'll put Julian in. Okay, great. Let's go right back then. Will, who's who's going to be your right back? Well, I don't know how many of these you'd have been picked by. I hope so. But Sebastian Schemmel gets in for me at right back. Mm. And uh, just, again, one of those players, and I, I've mentioned it already, I used to play wing back uh, or right back um, when I was playing football. And I just I just thought, again, he was outstanding. I loved his hair. Absolutely yeah. outstanding hair for that first season. And it was very much the um, the David and Goliath situation with Schemmel because when he cut it all off, he just turned into... The, the, a shadow of his former self. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, he was another one. I think it was, it was at that time where I just started going to West Ham like every single week or every single home game, certainly. Um, and yeah, I just remember again, sitting on the East end uh, in the chicken run up, um, just down towards the Bobby Moore end in line with the penalty area. You used to have, I used to see a lot of the, yeah, you the, would do, yeah. the, the right backs. Yeah. Or the, the right backs. And then uh, the left midfielders in the second half when we were kicking towards the, the Bobby Moore end and where I played that position anyway, I was always looking. Mm. Uh, I've had a bit of a fondness for, for all of our wing backs, full backs that we've had. And Shemo, I just thought he was brilliant. He, he had it he all. Was. He was class. He was a class act. 
um yeah but and i really liked his hair i think that's probably uh more <laughs> place yeah more, yeah, more no, my no, decision yeah. than i'd like no, to I mean, admit that, that season was great when hammer of the year you know there's not many people in their first year when when hammer of the year you know what i mean and uh he made at a massive right impact back. yeah at right back as well you know it's like mm. all the things rallied against him you know he was a foreign based player no one had heard of him uh he was playing in an unglamorous position but he's still on hammer of the year and uh yeah he said it was that that famous Second syndrome that happens to so many of our players. You know, they they pounce onto the scene, and uh, and then the second season it just goes absolutely tits up for them. But yeah, Seb was yeah, and as you said, he. But I remember he used to like bomb down that right back position, and you go, we got a player here. Yeah, we've got a, you know, we again we haven't been blessed with fantastic fullbacks. You know, and it was like particularly in our time, I was like, this is this is good. Um, and then yeah, he just went off the boil. Now he's got a. Now he has a, yeah, a West End themed pub in Luxembourg. Or Luxembourg, like that. yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, good old Seb. All right, yeah, let's he, put... uh, Go on. Sorry, yeah, he was. Uh, he, he just uh, again, I think we were. He, he only just pipped John Pencil, Tim Breaker, and, and Guy Demel. So once again, <laughs> not not particularly blessed in that position. Although John Pencil was a lovely guy, I've interviewed him, and he was. Yeah, he did him last week. He was brilliant. He was so yeah, yeah. lovely, and you know, considering the guy he played twenty like nineteen times for us. He, uh, yeah, he's played so much more in other places. He was like, so, he was like, Russ, do you know what? It's lovely to talk to West Ham fans. Oh, I love West Ham, my time there. They have, you know, the guys down the chicken run loved me. You know, they love me. They'd, you know, they'd sing my <laughs> yeah. name. Okay. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah, okay. Um, and uh, no, yeah, but he was funny. Yeah. But yeah, said, said, piss. Yeah. Piss is long to be honest. Yeah. Right. Okay. We'll put yeah. seven. Brilliant. Okay. Let's go your first centre back then. Will. Now, this is a really difficult one. The 4-4-2 rule stuck with me here because I was hoping to go for a 3-4-3. I know not particularly defensively sound, but just to shoehorn all my favourite players in. But my first centre-back, and again, probably my favourite West Ham player of all time, Super Thomas Repka. I just everything again. I think you're starting to see <laughs> might be elements of my personality, or certainly my playing <laughs> style, uh, coming through here a little bit. Again, one, once again, I think it. A lot of West Ham fans will share this belief supporting a club like West Ham it hasn't it's such an age-old cliche that fans have, have, have said for time in memoriam that as long as you try hard yep. for West Ham it seems like such a basic cliche and people go oh that's standard for a professional footballer well it's not, it's not is it no, we all know no. that certainly looking at the current team it's not a, a given unfortunately no. but with Thomas Repka it definitely definitely was I did I like the hard edge to him I like the fact that when again sitting he did often used to play right back so, but because Schemmel was out and out and Rep yeah, yeah. used to play centre back sometimes I had to I had to move him inside but again when he'd play right back I'd see the fear in wingers in the way they play he, when he'd smashed them up in the air after about the first five minutes or the first opportunity he'd got they would be different for the rest of the game they wouldn't want to they wouldn't want to go around him they certainly wouldn't want to get in tight spaces against him he wasn't the most gifted footballer particularly but he's another man who absolutely loves his time loved his time at West Ham I I was lucky enough to speak to him recently and he's just he he loved his time at West Ham And and you get the feeling don't you that a lot of the players who say that sort of thing they don't always mean it, but, but yeah. he certainly did. And you could see in one of the my most fondest memories of Upton Park was his last game against Fulham. Mm. 
Mm. Um, the people remember it for Anton Ferdinand and Yossi Benioun scoring outstanding chips from the edge of the box. But it was Thomas Repka going off in tears at the end of the yeah. game for me. The yeah. whole of Upton Park, all four sides of Upton Park singing Super Thomas Repka, 30 or 1,000 people. And, and I loved him as well. It was really emotional for me. And for such a hard man to be reduced to tears like that, it was one of my favourite memories. And he is probably my all-time favourite West Ham player, I think. Yeah, so yeah no, no I get that. No, I get that, definitely. And I think a lot of people see parallels to, you know, in the sort of the more experienced eras, uh, when Billy came back and obviously was burst to tears when we named the stand after him. And it's the same thing, isn't it? Yeah, he was like a hard man, no, no, you know, no sort of emotions and then he just absolutely bawled his eyes out and I remember that really clearly with, with, with Tommy Repka same thing and it was like you was like a bit shocked because you thought what you know again he did come as our as ours, one of our it was our um, record signing wasn't he um, mm. when we signed him as well but um, yeah, yeah something like that yeah but uh, no yeah he was he was a try weren't he he was a try and that's what I loved you know I love players on the edge it's just like Julian where you just don't know one minute they just going to put their foot in a little bit too much and mm. and, and, oh, yeah, yeah. and that's the West Ham and that's what you, and that's why you love those type of players now it's like you know rarity you know it's like I don't know like, like the other day Fornals was putting his foot in a couple of times you're thinking mm, yeah but it wasn't like Rep was every game. the same, was it? Yeah, Rep was yeah, like every yeah. game. You know, you know he's going to... And is he going to really munch him or is he not going to just... I used to love Tommy. All right, cool. He's your, he's your next player. He's your next centre-back then. then so this was, a, this was a tough one. Like I said, this was... Yeah. Uh, I would prefer to go on three at the back. But it's, it's going to have to be... It was a toss-up, but it's going to have to be Winston Reid. It was a yeah. toss-up between him and Christian Daly. Uh, loved Christian Daly. Mainly the song, to be quite honest <laughs> with you. But, um, yeah, I just think with Winston, I think... He's one of those, he's a quiet character. As a New Zealander, he's a little bit more mm. reserved. So I do think despite all the great goals he's, he scored for the club, and that's why I picked him ultimately, uh, the goals he scored. I was at the Tottenham away, the Revel Morrison game when, when he scored one there, poked mm. one in. Um, the Obviously the last game at Upton Park, yeah. the goal against Millwall. I think that's ultimately why I picked him. And he was a, he was a class act. He was one of our best centre-halves in the modern era. Mm. I think the reason he wasn't such an automatic shoo-in I think was because because of that reserved nature he's got. He hasn't really been one of those. Oh, I love West Ham. I absolutely. He has no, never really properly yeah, clicked yeah, yeah, with yeah. the fans, has he? Which no. which is surprising for such a talented footballer. Mm. You'd think that uh, that he would have a real connection with the West Ham yeah. fans, but he's never really been quite like that. And I think that's that's on his part because that's just in his nature. That's the sort of yeah. that's the sort of person he is. He's he's not out in the media a lot. He doesn't do a lot of press. His agent's not. Uh, he's still got a Danish agent from because we signed him from Mittyland in Denmark. He still had the same agent from there, and. He's he just wants to get on in his career. He's he's a professional. Yeah. He's been like talented, but yeah, I picked him for the moments there and for yeah, the feelings yeah. that I felt. You're right, he, you're totally right. When he scored those you're goals. Totally right. It makes sense. I mean, you look at the difference between him and say James Collins. You know, they've been around for roughly. I mean, I mean, Winston Reid's ten years now. He's only in 2010, so you know, technically testimonial year coming. Um, but uh, but you know, and the difference in terms of that how how the fans sort of take to. Ginge, then, then win, then win. He makes, yeah. As you said, it's it's all about personality. You know, you wouldn't see, you wouldn't see uh, Winnie jump into Chav Corner or, or the adopted Chav Corner and throw his shirt in the crowd, or you know that type no, of thing. No, no. 
and that, and yeah, I, I get that. But he was quite, I mean, he said he was quality and he, he still is a good player. You know, he's, unfortunately, injury has, has obviously played a lot, lot in his career with us. But as you said, when that, that period when he was unstoppable, you know, Liverpool were after him potentially, and there was all these rumours of going around. Yeah, Arsenal as well, yeah. So it just shows what a good player he was. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, okay, let's put Rick Winnie in. Let's go midfield then, Will. Let's go left midfield. We've got left midfield. Left midfield, uh, this was Matty Edwinton for me, and I'm, I'm sure he's been picked by quite a few people. He narrowly pipped Stan Lazaridis oh, to this. Stan, and it was really close. And I thought, <laughs> oh, you know, I love Lazaridis. He was one of them. He was sort of one of those players that I noticed when I was coming up. And of I course. just, all I seem to remember was like images of me as a kid watching, and every single goal he scored seemed to be from 40 yards. Yeah. And you know, it was it was close, and I was I was going to put him in, but I think ultimately again, Matt Etherington, and everyone will say it, and there's a reason that most people, certainly of my age, who didn't see any of the the big games of the of the 80s or the mm, 70s, yeah. the Eintracht Frankfurt 85, 86. One of their a lot of people my age best game ever at Upton Park was the playoff uh, semi final against Ipswich, Ipswich. Yeah, yeah. and until until the Man United last game at Upton Park, that was my best game hands mm. down. Um, yeah. The atmosphere was outstanding and, and he was outstanding. The goal he scored, obviously, was was second to none. But again, he was in our FA Cup final team and just a, a man who I think West Ham fans felt genuine affection for. Really, yeah. really tricky winger. And we have loved the tricky winger over the years, haven't we? And yeah, he did yeah. felt a little bit, you know, I'm not going to compare him to Alan Devonshire because I didn't see him play. And judging by what I hear, he was, you know, next level. But mm. it was that sort of ilk, wasn't it? Very slight frame, very skillful. We'd go past someone quality crosses and yeah it's just sort of a bit of a hark back to that that old days and again he was a man who had a connection I used to the amount of memories I've got of him wheeling after he'd scored he'd wheel in front of the Bobby Moore end and then up along the the east end where I used to sit I got a lot of uh, fond memories of Matty and yeah just a great bloke yeah, yeah, definitely. And I get that. Yeah. And also, you know, he was, and he was like a, he was like an old school winger, wasn't he? We don't get any of them, in the, many of them in the modern game now. Mm. He was just pacey, left wing, left footed, simple. Yeah. <laughs> and what we, but effective. Yeah. But effective, you know, just beat the man, cross it in. And we had, I mean, as long as you got a decent, yeah, decent striker in there to, to, to knock it down, then, then it's easy. But yeah, no, Matty, yeah. I, and obviously, you know, a similar player to to, to Lazaridis, you know, in terms of stature, it looked very. It could you could put them next to each other, apart from the floppy head Matty head, they look a bit the same as well. But yeah, no, I like yeah Matty definitely good shout. I always remember that Ipswich game just for the the Christian Daly, you know, Braveheart speech on the pitch afterwards, um, saying you know basically you know, it was almost Churchwellian more than Braveheart. You know, <laughs> we'll fight them on the beaches and then you know, we'll fight them in Cardiff. <laughs> Yeah, no, I loved it. That was brilliant. That was, and as you said, the atmosphere was mental. People still talk about it. That's what it means. It's incredible. Um, okay, do, yeah. we'll, put, we'll put Matty in at left midfield. Let's go right midfield. Let's go other side then, Will. Right midfield. Uh, this, this was a fairly straightforward one for me. Uh, narrowly getting in ahead of Lauren Courtois and Michael Hughes was uh, Yossi Benioun. Yeah. No-brainer no for me, I think. Um, despite the fact that for every three games he'd play for West Ham, one he'd be a world beater and the other two he might as well not be on the pitch. He regularly used to go missing. Yeah. But again, one of those few players who that come through West Ham's ranks every now and then and you can just tell they're they're a bit of a cut above. Yes. He was again that, that slight frame in the yeah. in a physical physical league that is the Premier League. He, he he looked like a twelve year old basically, didn't he? He was a skinny little thing with his floppy hair out on the right wing. 
but the things he could do with the football and just effortless, effortlessly, it looked like he was always in second gear. Um, yes, and yeah, he, yeah, he picked, yeah, yeah. And, and he just picked teams apart, wouldn't he? He was the living embodiment of the word mercurial. And yeah, I, I, I outstanding. The, the goal against Tottenham on the last game of the season, Lasagna Gate, again, was one of these. It was lovely doing this, actually, because you what I tend to do and I'm sure lots of people do as I was going through the players I just remember moments yes yeah, that yeah, they yeah. did and it might just be one goal or one tackle yeah. or whatever in a whole West Ham career that might have been generally disappointing but not not yeah. with Yossi he definitely no. earned his his movie was top quality and uh, yeah it was a no-brainer for me yeah no I and this that's why I love doing the, the whole series because you remember people have got these different memories but also the, like the players you're sitting there chatting to someone about I know Yossi Benin and you talk about something and then he said like he said Lauren Courtois pops in and you think oh you need to go on and talk about that whole era you know, that random sort of French contingent you know obviously we had Lazy you had Mark Keller as well you know that's yeah and it was like two very, and Mark was a fantastically skillful, not obviously not the pace of, of a Lanzini or Efferton, but he was a great, and that's the thing, you just go off on tangents. Like the other day I was having a, I was interviewing someone and uh, Abdullah Faye came up in conversation. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I can't tell you where that, we talked about them and, and Big Sam and Big Sam like big like defenders and centre backs and centre midfields and, and then Abdullah Faye yeah. and Papa Diop. Yeah, Papa Diop, oh brilliant. That's what I mean, I love it. Absolutely love it. Yeah. Right, okay. We'll put I think, to be honest, Russ, I could have done a shambles eleven while I was going for all I'm these waiting, for, for, for every good player that, we've yeah. got. Well, I've, I thought oh, I, I didn't know if it would <laughs> go against um, the positive nature of the I show, but care. you could I easily think, do that. Yeah. That would be a harder one to pick. It's than okay because you're looking back and it's like you know, it's like I, you know, there's, you know, I think I think someone's coming up to going to do a one season wonder. So you know, where they did like they were literally there for a season and then bug and then nothing happens and like like Seb basically yeah, um, yeah. but yeah I mean it's, it's all fun and games where everyone wants to talk about but yeah Shambles Levin could be I wouldn't be able to do it but someone else could do it um, <laughs> and then I could just comment on it right okay I'll put you in right let's go midfields then where was your first midfielder then man uh, Scott Parker yeah probably a, again a, a particularly um, well picked one I'd imagine just I mean, it's hard to say a bad thing about him yeah. his, as his time at West Ham and before and since, really. Just a, a consummate professional, always mm. came across really well, gave his absolute all, he's put his heart on the line every single time he, he played for the club. And he was surrounded by a few donkeys as well, wasn't he, for yeah. a lot of his time at West Ham. He was, he was by far the best player on the pitch for that never ever ever reflected in his demeanor which you know I, I don't think you can necessarily say we've had a lot of that at West Ham over the years haven't we where I've had one or two players who are particularly a lot better than, than the rest of the Stick squad out, and perhaps yeah, yeah, a club yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. and they they act that in that manner as well they go around sort of huffing and puffing every now and then but you never ever had that from Scott Parker he was doing his level best to keep West Ham in the league wasn't he yeah. and I did you know obviously everyone will remember the goal at Wigan against Wigan um, yeah. and you know the, the, the how much it meant to him but I, one of my best memories of, of Scott Parker was going to Watford away that first year in the championship yeah uh, after he got relegated just before he left and he scored. He he pinged one in with his left foot, just bent it into the bottom corner. And we all knew he was going then, at that stage. And I just that summed him up for me. I just thought the bloke, he, 
he's obviously going to move on because he's better than he's probably better than West Ham, let alone just better than the Championship. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah but he still turned out on a Tuesday night away at Watford when we're in the Championship for a team that he mm. knew he was going to leave soon anyway. Popped yeah. up, still performed better than everyone, and and banged in a goal on the way to I think we won the game. So, yeah. I, Again, we haven't been blessed with central midfielders really either. Um, no. so I think, yeah, Scott Parker for me, yeah. hands down. And you're down. right, and you're right, definitely. It's, it's the attitude of the man. I mean, you've seen now, not just at West Ham, but obviously across across the Premier League in the last few games, obviously a lot of people, some have renewed their contracts for the month, some haven't. And, and you see a difference, you know, like, for example, how the hell has David Luiz got a one-year extension to his... How did that happen? He must have the best agent in the world. You know, it's like... Sanity, isn't it? Incredible. But that's what happened. You know, it's like people like that. But, but you know, they could down tools a little bit or not put a challenge in because they know they're going to leave. But Scott, right to the end, as you said, he was a consummate professional. Um, mm. And, yeah, I mean, what would we get to have, you know, him back in that midfield with Nobes, and, with Nobes and Deck, you know, at three would you? be... Would Wouldn't be, you? You'd, yeah. you'd give your right arm to have someone like that now. And that's what worries me the, the most. I know this is a, a nostalgic series we're doing here, but that's what worries me the most about at the moment. Because when we went down and we had Parker before, somebody really cared about it. In yeah. the great escape season, it might not have been littered with quality. I know everyone points to Tevis, but you had Bobby Zamora, Robert Green, James yeah. Collins, Mark Noble in that team who cared about West Ham mm. and really didn't want the club to go down. Look at it now, and yeah, you'd, you'd give your right arm for a for a Parker or um, someone with half the passion for any of those players I just mentioned. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree definitely. I like put Scotty P in. Uh, who's he going to partner in this midfield then, Will? Well, this this one for me, I, I, I know it might be blasphemy to a lot of West Ham fans <laughs> to leave Mark Noble out of a central midfield team, but it's Hayden Mullins for me. I think he first time, first time he's come up. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to be the first one to put him in because I think Hayden was one of the biggest unsung heroes I've ever seen at West Ham United. Mm-hmm. I know in that FA Cup final season when I remember him getting sent off in the league oh, game against Liverpool God, before Garcia. the final. Yeah, they both yeah, kicked off to each other, weren't it? Yeah, but, and I remember and Liverpool fans going, oh no, we're going to be without Louis Garcia. Um. I th- it was much more catastrophic for us to be without Hayden Mullins. Yeah. He was just the, the the linchpin to everything good that West Ham were doing that season. Playing alongside Rio Coca, who again had a had a great year that year and was a, led us into the the final as a captain. Yeah. But Hayden Mullins, yeah, what a what a man he was. He was the the Claude Macaulay of of West Ham, wasn't he? He, he was better than Mascherano, wasn't he? Don't forget as well. You know, that's it. And people laugh at that. I know Mascherano wasn't particularly fit. and But Hayden Mullins that season, that must have been the best season of his career. Yeah. I, I certainly think it was. And and I, I, I'm glad that I'm the first one to put him in, actually. and uh, Because I think I'm surprised at that as well. I know it's mm. easy, certainly with Noble and Parker, they, they're, they're, they're yeah. such obvious choices, aren't they? But no, I, I think Mark Noble, I love him to be... I do think that he stayed at... He's been West Ham have never been loads better than him yeah. or worse, and he's never been loads better or worse than West Ham. His yeah, performances yeah. have kind of gone with where West Ham have. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I like the idea, and I know the club love the narrative of um, you know oh, what a hero he is, and obviously he is. He's, and I love him to bits, Noble. But I think Hayden Mullins, you need someone like that in a team, 
and mm. to do the un, the unsung ugly work and he yeah. was outstanding at it people are raving about Declan Rice now understandably because he was young he was one of our own but Hayden Mullins was was just as good as uh, as as Rice was showing now and although he was linked with some big teams as well it might seem a big statement yeah. he was linked with some big teams so yeah Hayden Mullins for me definitely good shout okay I'll put Hayden in let's go up front then Will who's your first striker this was this was the hardest thing of of the whole thing. I think it's <laughs> impossible. And I, you know what, I was going to try and squeeze De Canio into into midfield to get away with it, but I thought, in in line with the spirit of the competition, I can't put <laughs> Paolo De Canio in as a centre midfielder or as the attacking bit of a diamond. So it is it is Paolo for me. Yeah, uh, no no brainer. Um, Again, this it links back to this. a lot of these uh, link back. Actually, I've had a lot of these names on backs of West Ham shirts. I had as a yeah. kid. I certainly had all all three of my uh, all three of the defenders. <laughs> never had Mullins. Never had Mullins. I don't think as much. I love him. <laughs> um, yeah, but Paolo Paolo for me again had a had a name on the shirt. The the, the famous shirt that he had at the time. I think I had him on three or four mm. in a row. It just. I mean, it speaks for itself, really, yeah. doesn't it? I remember, um, I remember once he was doing a signing um, of his autobiography, and I remember thinking it was a bit peculiar that my mum didn't realise the content of the autobiography, but I read his autobiography cover to cover about four times, and I was probably a little bit too young to be reading this sort yeah, of yeah. stuff. <laughs> that was, uh, oh no, no, I was young, I was old enough to understand it, but I think if my mum had realised what a lot of the content was inside it, then yeah, she yeah, perhaps yeah. <laughs> wouldn't have let me read it. But um, yeah, and I remember just as, as much as he was on the pitch, I don't need to, anyone watching this will know what Paolo Di Canio did on the pitch. But um, yeah, I remember he was doing a signing at the uh, Lakeside Stadium shop and I'd done something naughty that morning. And my mum said to me, right, you're not going to see Paolo Di Canio later on. And I cried for about four hours. And luckily she eventually gave in and, and we went, he's just a, a great bloke. He was so nice, signed my book, signed the shirt. And just at that age as well, it's just everything yeah. you could ever want. Paolo Di Canio was the best thing in the world for me then. And I think a lot of that, a lot of that stuck with me, seeing him on the pitch in the last game at Upton Park. Yes. Just being able to sing Paolo Di Canio, Paolo Di Canio, as everyone used to, like that one last time. Yeah. I, I mean, how can you not, how can you not put him in uh, the, the best team, West Ham 11 of all time? You can't leave him no. out. No, you can't. You can't. And also, you're at Lakeside, when you so you know you could go somewhere afterwards as well. So you know, <laughs> <laughs> go shopping or, or go McDonald's or uh... <laughs> exactly, exactly. But yeah, genius, genius. Yeah, he was. He was. He was, he was just box office, weren't he? He was like again. We talk about characters and stuff. He was. You know, you talk about players who would die for the shirt, which is sort of what we kind of need at the moment. He would die ten times over for you, you know, and for the West Ham fans, and uh, and that's as long as it wasn't an away game, as long as it wasn't, yeah, anywhere north of Watford, true. <laughs> but but that, that being said, uh, you know, you look back at the stats. I know it's like a bit of a you know, didn't, but you know, he he performed quite well at away game. You know, obviously famously, yeah, you know, obviously there was the Everton one, and obviously we've had Harry on the channel. We've asked about how how he how could you possibly manage Paolo Di Canio. And he basically said, I, I couldn't, you know, and it's like, yeah, yeah. he was a nightmare, but he was a nightmare I'd, I'd like to have. And so, yeah, no, but he was brilliant. Okay, we'll put Paolo in. Who's Paolo going to partner? Who's this final piece of this uh, Pew puzzle? 
Now, I've got to profusely apologise to Marlon Harewood here because I think it's, it's an absolute robbery that Marlon Harewood doesn't get in this. I've absolutely loved watching Harewood. His goal against Arsenal at home, my particular favourite, and of course the uh, semi-final goal. But I'm afraid Marlon, Marlon had to take a back seat to be replaced by the one and only Carlos Tevez. I think, again, I, I tried to... It's, it's hard to to not go with with the obvious choices here, but again, I I, I loved Marlon to pieces. His brute pace and brute power, mm. uh, I thought he was absolutely fantastic. And again, he was a he was a man who cared. But yeah. I think Carl, Carlos, uh, he was the same thing. He he had that. He was so much better than West Ham, as the mm. rest of his career went on to prove. But he bought into what he was doing. That that everyone sort of looks at how great he was afterwards and some of the um his personality traits i think how he was portrayed after he came yeah. to west ham but he was he was a young argentinian guy who spoke no english yep. dropped into this obscure team he'd probably never heard of in east london oh go and go and train down at, at chadwell heath yeah, um, exactly. where those yeah just that's it it's a it's the second porter cabin yeah he just on, go past on the, the left just past, past the, the KFC. you go past the, past the moby <laughs> dick pub and uh yeah past the moby dick pub and the moby golf yeah yeah, yeah i know what you mean yeah exactly yeah, yeah. um you know, and with his with his Argentinian mate, and they're probably thinking, "What the hell are we doing here?" Yeah. And you know, I don't think Mascarano bought into it at all, did he? For um, reasons that have been well publicised. But Carlos Tevez will always have a place in the heart of of, of West Ham fans. And I remember again, everyone will obviously remember the the Man United away game. But I my favourite memory of Carlos I went to uh, I went to all of the, the away games in most of the away games in that season anyway mm. but in that um, that little stint at the end when we won so many of those games in the last spell I remember going to Blackburn away and it was a Saturday night game and I mean you know West Ham away tickets now are like, like gold dust of course but the it was there was about seven hundred fans there. It was half five on a Saturday, and it was right at the beginning of that run. So we were still yeah. pretty awful then. Hope had hope had seemingly gone for most fans, and it was the game where he blocked uh, Zamora's shot on the line, but the referee gave it as a goal anyway. And then he stepped up and and slotted the penalty in. Yeah, yeah and that was sort of one of the early games in that in that run, winning away at Blackburn on a Saturday night. And again, that was one of those situations. Where you know we were there because because uh, we did it and we'd been to all the oh, home and away that season yeah, yeah, yeah. and it was just sort of what what we did and it yeah, was freezing cold uh, Ewood Park a half empty Ewood Park Blackburn oh. weren't particularly good they've never been particularly well followed and and this Argentinian bloke so much better than than West Ham would obviously go on to bigger and better things is like running his socks off in front of 750 700 away fans uh, a team who were seemingly doomed at the time. Yeah. And he scores a penalty and somehow gets away with accidentally blocking some more a shot on the line. I think, yeah, Juan Carlos Tevez is another one of my favourite songs to sing. Another shirt I had with his name on the back end. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, sorry to Marlon, but absolutely no chance that Tevez yeah. isn't getting no, in any West Ham team of mine. No, it's a great shirt. And, and you know, it's parallels, parallels to now. You know what I mean? Haller's gonna it? come. Haller's gonna come back, and and Haller's gonna come back, and he's gonna be, and he's gonna be our Carlos. You've heard it here first. I'm always half. I'm half full. I'm always half full, but maybe yeah, a quarter yeah. full now. But yeah, but I know what you mean. We were we were dead and buried, weren't we then? And mm. 
And then, you know, we obviously we jokingly played the great escape theme tune of games. and But it, it was an incredible run of games. And you just said it was about a collective team effort. But yeah, Carlos was the one who got the headlines. But you're right, Robert Green, you had, you had, you had Zamora, you had, you had Ginge, you had Noble. You had a great a great nucleus of players there, a great spine. And Bamorte. Yeah, <laughs> Bamorte, Louis. <laughs> Louis Bowamore, so God bless him. He's come, he's come up, he's come up before Hayden Mullins, so yeah, it's all yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, no, it's uh, it's just one of those things. But yeah, it was a great time and a great team actually. And he said probably my right. fondest, probably my fondest spell of watching West Ham there. I think that that I was going to all the home and away games, mm. and I think just seeing that come to fruition at the end, and then United on the last game, it was yeah, probably my best time of supporting West Ham. It's always Man United though, isn't it? Always Man United, <laughs> and like, and, and we've got them the second, second, but then the penultimate game this season as well. It's always Man United with us, isn't it? But um, I do admire, I do admire optimism, Russ. I'm, not I'm just funny. sorry I can't I'm used, share it. I'm used to it. I'm used to it. You know, it's like you have to have a yin and yang. Otherwise, it's just if it's all yin, then, then like you know, everyone. If you and it's like yeah, I'm there to be shut down, but I don't care because end of the day, it's like you know, we've all been through it. We know, you know, it doesn't matter what happens. You know, we'll carry on supporting them. About what division we're in, uh, and and yeah, it's, it's, it's what it is. But as you said, it's uh, yeah, every game is a little bit less optimistic. I'll be honest, I'll be honest, <laughs> but I'm, I still keep the troops up, I still keep the troops up on Zoom parties or Facebook, you know, or, or WhatsApp groups or whatever, just, just to try and keep a bit of a bit of a bit of momentum, anyway. Anyway, well, it's been great chatting, man. Loved it. Love changing, man. Absolutely. Thank you so, so much for your time. And obviously, the thought and effort and the, the agonizing decisions that's gone through that 11 is, is quite obvious. <laughs> Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. <laughs> thanks, thanks for having me on, Russ. Absolute pleasure. And obviously, thanks everyone for watching. You know, you know what to do like, share, subscribe. Obviously, watch the, the We Are West Ham podcast as well. Follow them on Twitter as well. Um, and obviously, on all your podcast uh, um, capability platforms. platforms. That's the one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah, the podcast. Yeah. Anyway, until next time from me and we everyone. Take care, everyone. Stay safe. And we'll see you all soon. See you later. Bye bye. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.